You're listening to the Power of Journaling podcast. Journaling has been scientifically proven to speed healing, increase productivity, reduce stress, anxiety, and depression, and improve creativity. Thank you for joining journaling.com as we explore all things journaling. Hello, everyone. This is Rebecca Kokenderfer with journaling.com. Grab your journals or notebooks. Our topic today is five fabulous tips for art journaling. Our special guest expert today is Amy Miracle. I hope I'm pronouncing your name, Miracle. I, uh, Amy, I should have asked you that beforehand. Amy, no, that's, you did it right. Do I have it right? Okay, great. Yeah. Amy is an artist and an art therapist. Um, she's the founder of MindfulArtStudio.com. Her writing and art have been featured in the New York Times, the Washington Post, PsychCentral.com, and Art Journaling Magazine. Um, she's also going to be one of the teachers in Santa Fe this summer at the Gathering of Creatives with Julia Cameron. I asked Amy to do this interview with us because she believes everyone can experience the healing power of creativity. So welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Rebecca. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm very excited to hear your five tips. So why don't we launch right back in there and then we might chat in between if that's all right. Yeah, that sounds great. So I guess I would say, just like backing up just slightly before I get into the tips, that really I think anyone can art journal if they have the desire to do it. And for me, an art journal is anything where you combine some level of visual art plus maybe writing or maybe just visual art, and it's kind of an anything-goes kind of space. For me, a journal is a place where it it will take whatever you trust it with, and that's one of the reasons that I love journaling and art journaling so much. So, And I'm also a big believer in play because I think we get taught to not play as we get older frequently. So with art journaling, it's just this great time to give yourself and here's tip number one, <laughs> it's a great time to give yourself space and permission to just play. I would say start with whatever materials you actually already have at your house. Maybe you've got some watercolors or maybe you even only have, you know, a pen or a pencil and some paper in your, your journal and just start by, you know, even creating as you would if you were a three-year-old. Just loosen up scribbling, maybe, you know, scribbling with a paintbrush or a pen and just get really loosened up and just kind of get back into that feeling that you had sometimes maybe when you were little, if you were lucky enough to have that. So that's the first thing. Just sort of do some things to loosen up and just be playful with it. Don't worry too much about what it looks like. For a lot um, of people, Amy, just mm-hmm. the word art evokes mm-hmm. some emotions. Sure does. Right? Because <laughs> maybe we got a B in art when we were a little kid. We're like, oh, I guess I'm bad at art. But yep. I don't think few things make a person, you know, sweat on their hands. I guess public speaking and then art. So mm-hmm. h- how do we get over that? Because I, as soon as you say the word art, I think to myself, well, I can't do art journaling. I'm, I'm not good at art. I'm not an artist. I'm bad mm-hmm. at art. Boy, what do we do with that? Yeah. It's such a great question because it's something that most of my students deal with. <laughs> so, you know, my site is Mindful Art Studio. So I'm all about incorporating in the the sense of mindfulness, which basically just means mindfulness is just kind of a fancy word for saying being present in the moment. And so um, as an art therapist, there's a lot of... Uh, 
emphasis on tuning into process over product. And so while I'm not doing art therapy anymore, because that would be about, you know, having a treatment plan and working on mental health goals, I really just kind of, from my training, I take that understanding of how focusing on the process of art and how just if you can focus on the process of what you're doing through a sensory way, right? Like, what does it feel like in my body as I'm drawing and painting? And what am I smelling? And what are the textures that I'm feeling? And, you know, what am I noticing coming out on the page? And, you know, what little bits of that do I enjoy? Really just starting to take it away from thinking about museum art because let's be honest, most of us are not going to create museum art. <laughs> That's not why we're doing this. And thinking about focusing on process and maybe even shifting to thinking about expression, expressive art. So you yeah, I, li- I like off the hook. Yeah, I like that. So you just, like, just think about the process, not the end result, not the product. Exactly. Right, because when really young kids create, most of them, they're not worried about what it looks like. They're enjoying the process of watching something appear, right? And so that's really like kind of the part of the invitation. Of course, I also want to help people get to a point where they enjoy the product. But in the beginning, you know, it's like with anything else, you you practice, right? And so you're not going to, it's like um, when people write and they talk about writing uh, crappy first drafts, right? Like there's going to be a lot of crappy first drafts. So you might yeah. as well just stop expecting, <laughs> you know, I mean, you wouldn't start playing basketball and expect that you're going to show up on the court and know all the moves and be an expert at it. But people think that way about art. And what is the difference undue pressure? Yeah. What is the difference between art journaling and regular art? Is it just that you're you're doing it in a diary or a notebook? What is art journaling? That's a big question, <laughs> and it kind of depends who you ask. But um, I would say, you know, I think art journaling is an art form. And I think a lot of people would agree with that. You know, it's a a type of book art where you're creating art from something that lives in a book. But what's special about our journaling is that it is an art form that lives in a book. It's something you open and close. It therefore can conceal or reveal things. And it has that tactile sense of a book that you hold in your hand. It has weight. You have to manipulate it to experience it. It doesn't just hang on the wall. And so you can, you know, if you, if it's something that you create for other people to also see, then, you know, for instance, sometimes I cut patterns and designs into my pages. Well, it needs a viewer to manipulate it to make it come alive. And I think that's super exciting. But then I I like what you said, because in art journaling, some people are like in journaling, some people are uncomfortable writing, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but I know like I have one of my daughters, she wants to get the benefits of journaling. But she's not mm-hmm. comfortable necessarily with writing or she doesn't think of herself as a good writer. But she's mm-hmm. very comfortable drawing her feelings, her sad feelings, her stress feelings, her mm-hmm. or just getting her anxiety or her stress out from the day by drawing in this journal. I think it's a really genius idea. Yeah, and I like to really welcome people to do what feels right to them, right? Like I'm going to throw out, you know, a bunch of other suggestions. Some of it's going to stick and feel like, oh, yeah, that's totally me. And some of it will be like, you know, I'm not sure that's for me. And I think that, you know, you have to be your own best judge, right? Like I can't say what's going to work for for you or for the next person. I think there's probably some value in trying something if it feels okay to do that. But ultimately, like, 
you know, you might really enjoy doing like a painted background and then just journaling over it. And that's as far as the art piece of it goes. Whereas somebody else might want to write down all of their feelings and vent out like their most vulnerable stuff and then cover it up with paint so that it disappears and there's no worry that someone's going to find it. P.S. I love doing that. Um, (laughs) And then you can take gel pens if you do that with acrylic. And then you can, for instance, write like a key phrase or a word about what, let's say, you want to feel if you were like venting or something like that, you know, where you could write something that is a quote that's really meaningful to you. So you can weave in and out as much of it being more art side or more words based, you know, and kind of go as you get more comfortable, you can try out more things. You know, I work a lot with patterns. Patterns are really accessible. It's one of the reasons I love them. Like anyone can draw a bunch of circles that are imperfect. But if you do anything in a pattern, it gets stronger. So like one imperfect circle, it's easy to look at it and be like, "Eh." but if you see a big amount, like a whole page or let's say a sheet that has a pattern of imperfect circles, you wouldn't say that's so ugly. You'd say, oh, that's an interesting pattern. So we're going to turn this interview into a newsletter, Amy. Maybe you can send me some examples because I am really enjoying this. This is a whole new world for me, and it might be for a lot of our listeners. So to get us back on track, even though I totally enjoy what we're doing. (laughs) um, So tip number one is give yourself permission to play for those people who are taking notes. Tip number one, give yourself permission to play. What is tip number two? Work in stages, and this is probably my number one piece of advice. So I started to introduce this idea, but just to kind of state it out, but really kind of point blank. So if working in stages means usually I'll start with color, right? So whether that's an acrylic layer of color or watercolor or whatever, but um, so like there's layers of paint, there's layers of writing, there's layers of maybe drawing or patterns, that are that are drawn, right? So even if you're like, oh, I can't draw, well, maybe you just do sets of lines or circles or X's and you play with different ways to put them out. But anyway, you can work in those stages. So you might start and vent out your writing and then cover it with the paint. And then you do a drawing of something that, you know, just whatever, I don't know, you like leaves. So you draw leaves over it. Um, or maybe you start with doing um, a layer of a pattern and then you put paint over maybe part of it and then you might write over that or you might have no writing but when you work in stages like that um, you know it's it's very for me it's very freeing because I don't have to worry about my pages being quote done or not or looking And this is where we get back to the process over product. Like I could start a page. Well, I have journals next to me right now, and I have many pages that have just one or two layers on them that I know will eventually get something more. Like maybe I'll end up putting a couple flash piece on top of it that's like one small part of another painting that didn't work, but I like that one-inch part of it. So it kind of takes some of the pressure off. Like I can start something and then you can open up a journal and say, oh, look, here's this background. I could, you know, doodle on this for a few minutes. And from a time perspective, it also makes it accessible. So I think it's less threatening because you don't 
face the white page. And it's also friendly because you can work on things in, in bits and stages. What benefits do people do get in doing all of this? What benefits are there in art journaling? Well, I think it's very similar to journaling, right? I mean, there's an opportunity, depending on who you are and how you use it, to reduce your stress. I think certainly if you enjoy tuning in through the senses like we were talking about in a mindful way, like hearing your pen, feeling the texture of the page under your hand, um, maybe also hearing the birds outside while you're creating all those things. It sounds really simple, but it's very soothing. Um, anything that's repetitive can be super soothing for some people. So I think it can be a great way to use it for soothing. It can also be a way to vent and get things off your mind or gain perspective. Um, I find the more I tune in mindfully, the more I have space in my brain to hear my imagination. And that's when things get super interesting because that's when I'll see some mark that I made and I'll say, oh, like I painted over, I did a scribble page the other day and I painted over it in the same scribbly way but left it kind of rough, chaotic looking. And then I thought, oh, that looks sort of like a bird, you know, like a little just just rough outline of some birds in the sky. And so I started making more of them and it became this really powerful piece that looked like all this darkness and then these birds rising out of it. But I wouldn't find that if I wasn't quiet enough in my mind to pay attention to it and to trust my weird idea, because <laughs> yeah. weird ideas are usually good. That's really cool. Okay, what is tip number three? Tip number three is draw what you see, let it be wonky, and don't worry about it being accurate. So lots of people say, I don't know how to draw, I can't draw a stick figure, I can't draw a straight line, and that's actually a really great place to start because straight lines well, – Sometimes can be great, but in general, beautiful drawings are made up of really interesting, twisty-turvy, you know, just the lines are not what, I, I think our concept of what we're supposed to draw and what we could draw is really different. Like, so if you look at your art, you judge it so harshly, but if you look at, let's say, an illustrator who's got a more, let's say, simplistic, for lack of a better word, style, you could look at that illustrator's work and think, oh, that's so fun. But if you drew that same figure that's kind of in a simplified form, you'd think, oh, that's so childish. And so I think it's it's about opening up your mind to different ways of drawing and expressing. And I think most people would find it, it's about getting the critic out of the way. Isn't it always about yes. getting the critic out of the way? <laughs> and, you know, and there's a time to put on your editor's hat. But in the beginning, it's not. In the beginning, it's you put on your creator's hat and just let mm -hmm. it flow, whether you're a writer or an artist. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's about, for, for me too, I think that it's also, I, I like to talk about doing a little dance. So there's this dance that we do between kind of putting our mind in it and letting our mind analyze, like, what comes next based on what we know about art and all those, you know, the rules of composition and different things like that. And then also just kind of sitting back and letting the expressiveness come through and just what feels good. And, and I think doing that dance back and forth between the two while you're creating, like, it takes a while to get there. But when you do, my students, you know always say like oh god this is like so much more comfortable and you know elizabeth gilbert the writer talks about asking the inner critic saying it can come along for the ride in the car when you're on a creative endeavor but tell it that it needs to sit in the back seat it's not allowed to drive <laughs> i love that yeah 
And I think that's a great metaphor because I, I don't think that being mean to your inner critic and telling it to shut up and all that kind of stuff is really effective. Yeah. I think most people, you're, that's just a part of yourself that's trying to keep you safe because we get all these messages about how it's not really safe to be creative because only certain people are allowed to and all this kind of stuff. And that part of you is just trying to keep you from getting hurt. Yeah. Tip number four is, and again, I've already sort of introduced this idea, but write on the same page with your drawing. So you can write inside of your drawing, wrapped around your drawing in circles. You can write inside block letters. You can overlap your writing, like write on a page and then just like turn it 90 degrees and then write over the other direction. <laughs> it's another way of concealing what you're writing, but it also creates texture. Frequently, I'll draw something and then just free write whatever comes up from it. And I personally, I love that technique because I, end up saying things that sound nicer than I would have if I just tried to write something pretty. But also I give myself interesting insights about what I'm feeling that, again, because I'm sort of opening my unconscious without uh, censoring it, interesting things come out. It's probably a nice combination between the analytical and the artistic sides of ourself and of our brain. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Okay, our last tip, tip number five. Spent, this is going to be going <laughs> in a totally different direction, but it all comes together. Spend money on a good quality watercolor journal. Do not work. If you're going to do art, don't work in a cheap journal. Don't skimp. Okay. Because if if you like the idea of working in layers and if you like the ideas that I've presented, you're going to have the best experience if you have a journal that can take both all the emotion you pour into it, but also the materials that you pour into it. Because even from a metaphoric standpoint, if your journal can't take what you're giving it, that's discouraging. And for me, my journal is my friend, right? It's a really great listener. It takes anything I give it. It's a, it takes my ugly thoughts. It takes my generous things. It just takes all of me. And that's a really precious thing. And so I have to buy a watercolor journal that will take watercolors. It'll take fluid acrylics. It'll take acrylics. It'll take five layers with, you know, collage of paper plus paint plus gesso, <laughs> you know, and, and it'll still stand up to it and feel fine. Do you have um, a favorite journal that you recommend? I love the Moleskin brand. And again, a lot of people balk at it because it's more expensive, but the Moleskin pocket-sized watercolor journal will go right in your purse. It'll stand up to anything you give it. It's got a nice hard cover, um, but it's portable. And part of the key with making art as an adult is make it accessible, or at least I think so. Um, So I carry a pen and a tiny journal in my purse all the time. And so when I have five minutes here or there, I endeavor don't always, but I endeavor to draw something, write down ideas, whatever it might be. On art journals, are they always the type that you've been talking about here where there's a blank page and you're putting art on it? Or are there art journals where you, I don't know, color them in or you they guide you through the steps? Does that exist too? And if so, is mm-hmm. that valuable? Mm-hmm. So there's one called Wreck This Journal. I, I don't know if someone would you know, somebody could argue with me about what's an art journal. But anyway, I would put it in the same category. If people really use it, then it's an art journal because you've got words and and um, images together and colors together. So it's got like a prompt on each page. And that, I think, for some people can be a super helpful way to get started and get your feet wet. Um, I think really whatever works for each person is a great way to go. 
I personally wouldn't call a coloring book an art journal, although I'm sure there are people out there who could prove me wrong <laughs> and have really taken their coloring books in, like, you know, such a different direction than where the page started. But generally speaking, you wouldn't call a, a coloring book an art journal just because it's got so much pre ready on it. Um, but certainly people do a lot of collage with magazines and lots of things. Okay, that's great. So you like wrecked this journal. And before you and I started the recording for this interview, you also met, uh, recommended Get Messy, that you really mm-hmm. like them as well. Yeah. Is that, is that getmessy.com? I think it's Get Messy Art Journaling. It's oh. either Get Messy Art Journal or Art Journal Link. Okay. So, and then, of course, you have, you know, your website, which is how mm-hmm. I found you. I was so very impressed with it, mindfulartstudio.com. I'm going to put you on the uh, under pressure here. I see you have so many great classes. So which class do you think our listeners will like the best? I think a great place to start is Art Journaling 101. <laughs> um, just because I'll... You know, I'll teach all of the the techniques that you would need to really do whatever you wanted based on what we were talking about today. So I teach you to work in stages. I'll teach a bunch of background techniques. I'll teach a bunch of um, what I call, like, intuitive drawing techniques where you don't need any drawing expertise. But I'll show you how to do some simple things that anyone can do and how to turn it into an image that's really interesting. And I'll show you how to write about it and make meaning with it. And then also how to take like a bunch of different, you know, patterning techniques and all the different things that we do with backgrounds and writing and images and how to mix and match them in your own unique way. Like I'm big on not doing cookie cutter, right? Like so if someone wants to cookie cutter what I'm doing and that's the first place to start, that's wonderful. My hope is, though, that I can kind of hold your hand until you feel comfortable to then start making things that are really um, Rebecca and really Jeanette and really Jenny and, right, so that it's not a cookie cutter kind of thing and it's really soulful. You just mentioned female names. It brings up for me, do men yeah. art journal as well? And is it just as good for them as it is for everybody else? Absolutely. I just tend to kind of really target women because it's a, it's just something that speaks to me. But I absolutely have, you know, some men who um, take classes and really do, obviously, super amazing work. But listeners, I'm going to put her suggestions, her tips, some samples of maybe of her art journal, if you share that with share that with us, Amy. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and these recommendations. I'll put some links in there too. So listeners, um just Google um journaling.com, you know, five fabulous tips for art journaling, and then that newsletter, that blog will come up for you. When we as we leave this podcast, this recording, I want to repeat, Amy, your five fabulous tips. So tip number one, give yourself permission to play. Tip number two, work in stages. Tip number three, draw what you see, but let it be wonky. That that image, that metaphor of the editor can drive with you in the car, but in the back seat. (laughs) Tip number four, write on the same page as your drawings. And tip number five, spend money on a good quality watercolor journal so that your journal can take all that you give it, all that you put into it. Amy, this is really great. You have 
opened my eyes to a whole new world <laughs> I didn't even know existed. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. All right, and listeners, thank you very much for tuning in today and being with us as we explore the power of journaling. Thank you for joining us. For more great information on how journaling can improve your life, visit journaling.com and pick up a free copy of our guided journal, 30 Days of Joy.